Hi, I'm Austin, host of Beyond Our Bubble. Nowadays, a lot of people are discussing political bubbles, where people only hear repetitions and variations of their own political views. So I figured, hey, I happen to have friends across the country on either side of the aisle. Why don't I just interview them so I can hear their perspective without interrupting or arguing? So that's what I did. I interviewed people from my world, just people you'd meet around town, and hear their views in Beyond Our Bubble. Hi, I'm Austin, and I'm host of Beyond Our Bubble. And I'm Anna. Okay, Anna, so we start off the podcast just kind of chatting about who we are getting to know the, the individual on the interview. So can you give me a little bit of background on yourself, just kind of who you are and where you're from? Sure. So I am from the Midwest. I don't have much of a home base that is uh, longer than living somewhere for about six years, but before I moved to Washington, D.C., I was in Chicago, so maybe a Chicagoan. Um, and I right now am waiting for my job to start following a degree in public policy for which I got the diploma today. Hey, you got your diploma? Yes. That's great. Here's the big question. Did it wrinkle at all in the mail? It came in a diploma holder. Oh, so it that looks makes sense. Good. Okay, good, good. Um, so then we try to ask like an arbitrary question just to get the conversation going. So this week, well, here's the question. Let's say we have a cabin in the woods, a lakefront property, and like this beach house. Which would you choose? And before before you answer, let me clarify. This cabin in the woods is like deep in the woods, very secluded. It's got this little stream in the back. Uh, lakefront, you have what? Jet skis, pontoon boat, all the things you need. Little dock out there, very cute. Um, and then the beachfront property has the whitest of sands at this. Like these are the top tier of all these properties. What you're gonna? What do you pick? So I think I have to go process of elimination here. Okay. Okay. That's um, good. I think the cabin in the woods is probably a great place to go now and then. So when it's snowy outside and you want a place that's cozy mm. and feels like it's apart from the rest of the world and where the snow doesn't get all ugly. That's great, yeah. but I don't need a place like that, you know, 95% of the time, or even just for a week and get away. I'm not sure that the cabin in the woods is the right amount of activity or even the right type of nature for me. Okay. I'm also pretty indifferent to deer. So there's <laughs> okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> in the beach house, I like visiting the beach when the weather is good for beaches and when I want to be near a large body of water but i also don't really love salt water and i hate sand even mm -hmm. if it's white mm -hmm. sand even if it's pretty sand i do not like having sand anywhere on me right right um, the sand between your toes is not a feeling you desire and i think when you if you walk into a house that's right off of the sand too yeah. you run yeah. into issues with sand just being everywhere all the time so that one also gets ruled out which leaves the lakefront property okay I do love being on the water, and fresh water for me trumps the salt water of the ocean. I also enjoy the fact that a lake house probably does not run into the same issues with sand, but it's still <laughs> very, it makes it very easy to get to the water if you want to be out there. And, uh, and I feel like pontoon boat sounds pretty great. So. Yeah. And I feel like a lake has a little bit of that, what you said, cozy, like secluded aspect of to some degree, like a beachfront house. Some of house. them, definitely. You're just like, you're with all these other people all the time. Beaches are very crowded. 
lakes. I feel I don't like know a little if bit I would more have a party own. beach house, but oh, I'm talking. You're right. There PCB would be spring right breakers here. all over yeah. the place. I'm not into so. that. I don't need that. <laughs> okay, so um, moving more towards the politics side, how did you first start getting politically inclined, Anna? So I spent a long time being pretty um, just what's the word for not caring about politics, um, thinking that a lot of it was because it was run by a specific group of people that it mm. didn't apply that much to me or who I was. So pretty indifferent about it. Indifferent yeah. is a good way to describe it, definitely. Um, and I also was pretty young in my high school class, and so I think the first time a lot of people voted, I still wasn't old enough to vote, so I definitely like missed the first wave of caring gotcha. a lot about a presidential election yeah um but when i met my husband steven that changed a little bit we had pretty we came from families with very different views and i think steven knew a lot about his political views when i met him and i didn't know much about mine so he pushed me to learn a lot more about how they affected me and who the key players were and learn i think about the advantages and disadvantages of being affiliated with either party um that we have here in the two-party system but really i started caring when i started working in the chicago public schools so i was not a teacher i came in and i provided a service um like music teaching artists to people in the chicago public schools which meant that i like came in and i watched a lot of stuff happen to people without it being my everyday life. So I watched teachers go through stuff, I watched principals go through stuff, and I saw what all of that did to the kids and realized how much of it was being driven by the city's political decisions Mm. and probably realized to a fair extent how it was being driven by state and national decisions too. So that was when I really got curious and maybe even a little involved and when I decided to move out to D.C. to learn more and to, uh, I guess, learn how to think critically about the types of issues that were affecting those people. Because you could physically see the ramifications of a lot of the policies and directions. Yeah. Um, When you, you know, when you see a teacher struggling with the way that they can juggle all the balls that are thrown at them or when you see a principal trying to answer to all the higher powers that they're supposed to answer to right um it really i think opens up a way of thinking about the education system that you might not see if you are a just sending your children to the school and not very involved in the school's life itself Mm -hmm. or b if you're someone who hasn't engaged with the public school system regularly in a long time or if you're just a student like you don't see that very often as a student Mm mm-hmm So what do you want to talk about the show today then? So along those lines, I would love to talk about um, what is referred to as the Common Core State Standards. Ooh, okay. Sounds nerdy, I know. Wait, can you break that down for us? Like I know I've heard Common Core. Tell me about what it is and what kind of what goes into it. Sure. So um, yeah, we can definitely shorten it to Common Core because that's definitely a lot easier. Remember the full full title is the Common Core State Standards. Okay. And what these are is, I would say, like a large set of learning standards, so things that we want students to be able to know and do in the classroom, 
um, that help set, I would say, like a bar for many different grades in the school system. I think there's some that go all the way down to kindergarten and some that go all the way up to 12th grade. Mm. But I would say that they're centered on fourth through eighth grade is where they've gotten a lot of hard hitting okay. like material in there. Um, they were developed by the National Governors Association and I believe by the Council of Cheat State School Officers, which is both of which are um, nonpartisan organizations that bring together voices at the state level oh, to help develop okay. these standards. So they were developed in 2000, they were released in 2010, and they sort of, you know, came out with a lot of these different objectives for teachers to try and adapt to and goals for students to meet. And they're there to help uh, provide really some sort of standard level, a baseline of what we think students should be learning, whether they're learning in a rural town in Arkansas or a suburban school in St. Louis or an urban school in California. So more or less students across the U.S. should be gaining these scores in these areas at these grade levels. Yes. So, you know, one example that I... I think having somewhere around fourth grade in like the English area is that, you know, students should be able to, uh, now I can't think of one off the top of my head, of course, but students <laughs> should be able to like analyze a paragraph of text. Okay. Yeah. Basically read grade. the paragraph and yeah. tell you what the text is about in their own words, read it and summarize it. So that's something that comes out in the common core state standards and it says fourth grade, this is when we want students to do this. Okay. What are these tests I keep hearing about? I feel like I hear a lot about the Common Core tests. Are there common are the, are the tests Common Core tests, or what? Are, what is the the deal with these? So the tests that are related to Common Core are probably the piece that have pushed it to be uh, probably a transpartisan issue. I would say something that people on the far left and far right both care a lot about and mm. have elevated Common Core so that it was it was a pretty in vogue topic maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, what happened after? Well, we'll take a step back. The Common Core state standards were part of an effort to make sure that everyone in the U.S. has some sort of standard that they're following when they're educating their schools in any district and hopefully at a level that allows us to compete with other countries if we're thinking about competing in education. So in order to do that, we also have to think about how we are going to assess people to see if they are actually meeting those standards. So how are we supposed to know if these standards help? And how are we supposed to understand if it's raising people's education levels or not? Well, the easiest thing to do is to give them a standardized test. Okay. And there's a lot of things that in general are not great about standardized testing in schools. Um, but what happened when a couple of these testing consortiums latched onto Common Core was that they became the go-to testing groups for people to use and in some cases our governments both state and national incentivize schools and local districts and states to use only these testing okay um consortiums so the one that a lot of people have heard of is park um and these tests are mapped to the common core standards which is good we want to understand if children are learning what we want them to learn according to the standards but they were released very these tests came out really quickly after the standards did um they're owned by a for-profit company which means that 
when our public entities buy these tests that there's a company profiting for like when Mm. they use them and it also means that you know there's always a possibility that you'll get teachers who teach to the test and principals who care more about the test scores than anything else as with any other standardized testing system so these were the types of issues that people on both sides of the aisle sort of like latched on to when when they heard about testing and its relationship to common core so what are your views? Do you like? Are you in favor of the Common Core standards? Um, do you like the tests, or what do you think needs to be worked out? That's a lot of different questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe start off with that first one. That how do you feel about Common how Core? How do I feel about Common Core? <laughs> I remember. So one of my jobs when Common Core was rolled out was to map a new curriculum onto the standards. So. Um, Any time that you use a new curriculum in Chicago public schools, at least, it has to be mapped onto these standards so that you can prove that you're teaching what people want you to teach. Um, And to be honest, a lot of what the curriculum already has in it matches with Common Core. And I think a lot of people had that experience where they said it's a new way of thinking about it or there's new words that are assigned to what I'm teaching my students, but, you know, this this totally clicks with what I already want to be teaching or with what we want our school districts to be focusing on. Um, So in some respects, the Common Core was more of a way of codifying what a lot of people already thought of as important for developmental stages of learning and as important for making sure that students were prepared to uh, be college and career ready when they graduated. Okay. These are all... No one would look at the common core standards themselves and say, these standards are terrible. Right. What do you mean right. we want children to be able to multiply and divide by the fifth grade? That's not what is ob- the issue. objectionable yeah. about them. Um, so I think that the idea itself of saying, here is what we care about as a country, and here are the steps that we want people to be building on as a country is a good one. Um, it's always debatable as to whether or not in a nation of states if we want there to be something as standard as what the Common Core is for every state. But I think in this case, because we're not dictating curriculum and because we're not dictating the micro steps inside of the standards, that there's definitely room to say that it's a good thing for our country to at least have them in existence. Right. Um, I think that they were rolled out real fast. Common Core came out at the same time as a lot of other initiatives that were tied to Race to the Top, which was one of President Obama's initiatives to try and elevate the level of public schooling in the country. Mm. Um, And the Department of Education tied a lot of grant funding to things like Common Core and other initiatives that really hadn't been carefully introduced and that sort of made school districts and states trip over their own feet trying to implement them. So a lot of the teachers in Chicago had one summer to map their entire curriculum onto all of the Common Core standards and get it checked out by someone. Which they have to check, they have to like change everything more or less, or well, a lot of things. you know, you have to, to sure at least make sure that what you're doing meets up with the, the standards and maybe add or subtract some things wow. to do and then that. Have it but yeah, in the worst case scenario, you might have to develop a whole new curriculum. Um, and yeah, have it reviewed by someone and then Uh, There was money tied to these things, so of course everyone is pushing for this to be done, which made up for a lot of stressed out teachers and a lot of principals who were really worried that the slightest mistake could mean 
uh, fewer dollars for educating their students. So that I think was was something that a lot of experts have agreed happened too fast. Um, there should have been more time to allow people to adjust to mm. it. And I think that the other big issue that happened was um, the rhetoric around it when we released it. Common Core was not really talked about until there was something bad to say about it. So I don't think there were a lot of people who were talking about the good things it could do, which was maybe pull some school districts or some schools um, up into a higher standard of education. By shooting for these standards. Yeah. So there's very little talk about what it actually is. And there's more talk about like what bad things it could potentially do, which involves a lot of times the testing um, or adding stress to the workloads of teachers and principals, things like that. Um, so this year, um, Pew Research Center, according to what the Program for International Student Assessment, ranked the U.S. what like 35 out of 64 different countries in math, and then 27th in science. A lot of people are kind of upset about those mediocre ratings. Um, I think what 42 states have adopted Common Core, um, and still we're like at these mediocre ratings. So is it? Is it working? Is it really getting what it's supposed to accomplish? So I think that it's important to remember, of course, that all of these are standardized assessments and that there are some education systems that map more closely to a way of standardized assessments and learning than ours might. And so there's a lot of things that could be playing into how our rankings break down. Um, it's not just something like Common Core. It's everything from how much you develop and pay your teachers to how fed and safe your students are, mm. to how much your superintendent of schools is motivated to stay in a school district. So there's a lot of things that affect these scores, and it's not just something like one thing, like the Common Core. Right. Um, so the Sarens shouldn't hold responsibility or making sure that we get to the top or higher up in that list of 64 different countries. I think it's one tool that you could look at and say this could be helpful in, in raising our competitiveness if that's what we want as a country or in raising our ability to maybe even just make sure that we're learning the same things as, as children mm, in other mm. countries are. That's a good thing. Um, but I don't think we're ready to say if it failed or not, partially because like every education initiative and so many other policy initiatives, it takes a long time to find out. And it takes even more time to find out if something happened because of Common Core or not. So mm, if Common mm. Core caused anything good or bad to happen. Um, you know, this is an initiative that states can choose to adopt or not. And they were incentivized to do so when the Obama administration was giving grants out for specific things. Um, but now there's not really extra money on the table for states that either have common court or school districts that do something special with it. And so instead, I do think what we're seeing is that states feel like they have a little more room to roll it back if they want to um, and to think maybe a little more on their own about how they approach this. Right. I will say that there are a couple of states out there that have adopted and then removed common core and replaced it with their own state standards which look almost exactly like the common core state standards so sometimes it's less about the title of what's happening and more about the actual pieces actual initiatives what's moving behind it um, there's a lot of good research that's been done by the think tank new america if people are really interested in seeing which states 
adopted and then put the standards away or had a big debate about it. Um, but I think it's definitely too early to say if it failed or succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for how the U.S. is doing in the education playing field, uh, we have a lot of work to do in a lot of different areas before we're considered, you know, one of the best countries in public education. But I, uh, I'm always a little bit skeptical about how the different standardized assessments are administered, what they mean, who gets tested and when, um, and sometimes even just if that's really what we should be caring about as a country. It's that something that we have to make a decision about. But I you know, question sometimes the value of making sure that our kids can answer questions on a test well if we're not also spending time to teach them how to think critically and be creative and get into thoughtful discussions with their friends. Right, right. It's hard to measure out everyone on the same scale. So you mentioned President Trump recently in that last answer. What uh, can President Trump do or not do with Common Core? Like, how does he influence this? So I think there were a couple of times during the 2016 presidential election where someone said, repeal Common Core. But that's a pretty misinformed way of talking about it because there is nothing for the federal government to repeal at this point. The initiatives that allowed states to earn money or local school districts to earn money for using the Common Core have mainly played out or have already started and they're not going to end just because of the administration change. Um, what the what the uh, new administration could do to change the way that this is working or not working is probably set up a different incentive structure. So public schools receive money to help educate their students with disabilities or their students who are impoverished, but they also receive money based on different initiatives that have less to do with certain populations of students and have more to do with what schools are doing systemically. Everything from teacher training to principal evaluation to how they structure their HR systems. Um, And something like Common Core could go back on that list. We could re-incentivize states and local school districts to use Common Core again. But we could also prioritize so many other things that something like Common Core really fades into the distance and um, is more of a in the background way of people making sure that they're meeting checkpoints than it is a national initiative. Other than that, the federal government can't do too much. It's really states that have the power, and sometimes local school districts, depending on the state that you're in, to adopt or reject something like the Common Core standards. Hmm, hmm that's interesting. So, moving back now, uh, I normally like to end the podcast with just like one question on, you know, if there's something in this discussion that everyone can agree on, there's some value that there is within Common Core that everyone should agree on. What would be that value or that um, something that everyone can agree on within this debate? This is an easier one. I've heard you ask this question before. Yeah. And sometimes it's tricky. But in this case, what we care about is making sure that every kid, no matter what color their skin is, who their parents are, where they live, or what kind of things they've done in their past, has an opportunity to learn and has an opportunity to grow at the same rate as all of the other kids in the country hmm. so that really no matter where you are you're getting the highest quality education that our public school system can provide and eventually when those assessments are administered you're prepared to do well on those and more importantly prepared to enter into the college and career sphere with as much knowledge as we can possibly give them 
Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Anna. This has been great to learn about this. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to Beyond Our Bubble. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to rate and review us on iTunes. If you or someone you know want to be on the podcast, or if you have thoughts on the show, email us at beyondthebubblepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Bubble Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.